everybody. It's Tyler. This is Danny. Oh, shit. You know what? I just completely fucked up. I was going to start with the fucking poem. Oh, let's do that. I'm not. No. Now I'm going to I'm going to leave the fuck up and I'm going to start later on with the poem. I'll start the fucking squeal section with the poem. Whatever. I'm already a little stoned. This is Fried Squirms. We already introduced ourselves. We're here to talk about fucking horror movies. We're here to get high. Fucking talk about watching Snoop Dogg. Because this week we watched Bones, and I think we probably have things to say. Uh, yeah, yeah. But how appropriate, though, that we start off a segment that Snoop Dogg is known for. That's right, that's right. So let's actually, yeah, let's get to our green hits. What did you bring for me today? I know you mentioned it already. Yeah, so this is a strain I've actually brought over before because I had it in my vaporizer a couple weeks ago. But this is a strain called Durban Julep. It is a sativa hybrid. It's a cross between Triangle Durban and Jet Fuel Gelato. Now, this one I do know has high terpene profile. It's somewhere around the upper 3%. Mm. But uh, this one has a lot of limonene, so you're going to taste some of that citrus you know, notes, and you can smell it too. But uh, yeah, nice relaxed high, dude. Nice yeah, upper high. I just on it a little bit without anything in there, and I can taste that citrus coming. Yeah, through. and that's one I picked up from local dispensary Tricomb. Really enjoy that particular dispensary. I think you mentioned the strawberry banana last week, right? Yeah. That's what I threw your way this week because it started getting fucking cold and nasty Oof. out this weekend for us. And I got outside today and I was like, I ain't walking to a dispensary <laughs> and to the store. Now fuck that. I'm going to go to the store because food's more important when I already have weed at home. There you go. Priorities, I don't blame you. So uh, <laughs> strawberry banana, let's see. Crockett's Banana Kush with the Strawberry Phenotype of Bubblegum. It is a little bit more indica heavy. I'm okay with that. But it's that time of year, right? It's the Yeah. It's it's that kind of day outside. Some people sit back with some hot chocolate. I don't currently have any hot chocolate. I might have to remedy that later today. But I can sit back with some indica. There you go. I like that. Still tuck you in. Keep you warm. Mm-hmm. Let's start hitting this shit. And uh, I guess we can also get to the guts and bolts of jimmy bones <laughs> guts and bolts all right guts and jimmy bones of bones the who and what went into this movie starting off with spoiler free setup let's see snoop dog plays candy man mixed with hellraiser mixed with tall man mixed with a la carte mixed with the crow good combination there <laughs> Snoop Dogg's an avenging ghost. There we go. Yeah, exactly. There's bones. Yeah, I mean, that's the bare bones of it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much what the film entails. All right. I did my part. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So, yeah, from week to week, we do like talking about the people who go into making the film and the actors and actresses, of course, in front of the cameras. And this week, our director is Ernest Dickerson. Very interesting gentleman. For a lot of really cool, interesting reasons, and some of those reasons include his films, of course, and as far as directorial films, he's responsible for the film Juice from 1992, actually a really good oh, film. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, he's done some work on Tales from the Crypt because he directed 1995's Demon Knight. He's also responsible for 1996's Bulletproof. You might have also seen 2004's Never Die Alone and 2017's Double Play. Now, some of his television work, reason being, man, because this guy, he's known for stuff like The Wire, 
He's known for doing stuff like I don't Dude, know. Dude, he did fucking Hamsterdam. That's so cool. He did Masters of Horror, the V word. That's actually a really good one too. I know some people don't like Eureka, but I've heard that he's done an episode, a couple episodes of theirs. Weeds, uh, The Vampire Diaries, The Walking Dead, Treme, Dexter. I mean, just a really cool list of shows, like so some cool stuff. Uh, the Purge, actually, a couple episodes of that as well. And uh, House of Cards, I won't mention any names there, but he's also responsible for some episodes as well. So, yeah, like I said, some pretty cool, interesting bodies of work there. All right, our writer, well, actually there's two of them on this, is Adam Simon. Now he's known for being the writer on such films as Brain Dead. Not to be confused with Dead Alive. This is a different Brain Dead. The other Brain Dead. 1990s Brain Dead. He's also responsible for The Haunting in Connecticut, the Salem television series from 2014 through 2017. And his partner on this is Tim Metcalf. If you've ever seen any of the Revenge or the Nerd films, he did one through four. He's also the writer on California. That's with a K starring David Duchovny, Brad Pitt, Juliette Lewis. Yeah, pretty decent film. And also The Haunting in Connecticut as well. Cinematographer, gentleman we actually talked about last week, coincidentally enough. That's right. Well, we have Flaviano Labiano. Oh, that's fucking weird. <laughs> what a cool name, too. Flaviano Labiano. <laughs> <laughs> Flavio Labiano. Yeah. So... We talked about him, of course, last week on Time Crimes, but he's also responsible for another 1995 film I'm eventually going to watch, and that's Day of the Beast. He's also responsible for Dance of the Devil, Nonstop, and The Shallows. I wouldn't have guessed that the same guy that shot Time Crimes shot this. Kind of blows my mind a little bit. <laughs> really neat. All right, we have two guys who are editors on this. One of the gentlemen's are Stephen Lovejoy. <laughs> this kind of surprised me because this is a film I watched a lot growing up. But he was the editor on Born in East L.A. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of Tales from the Crypt, he helped with four episodes. Looks like all the way back in 2013 is what I got written down here. That's kind of interesting. He's also responsible for editing Demon Knight, Bordello of Blood, and Eureka Television Series from 2006 through 2010. And his partner on this is Michael N. New. And uh, he's got some pretty cool stuff, too. Some stuff I think you're going to be familiar with, believe it or not. He was the editor on 1997's Spawn. Oh, dope. Okay. Yeah, he was the editor on three seasons, maybe four if you count them, of Daredevil from 2015 through oh, 2018. Shit. He's yeah. the editor on Jessica Jones from 2015 through 2019, the film Shudder. He was making some of that Marvel money for a minute there. Uh, a show that's shot here in town, I guess some scenes, I would imagine, but Yellowstone. Oh, yeah, that's right. They did just shoot a little bit here in town, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, it's kind of neat. Just kind of looking through some other stuff. Sleepy Hollow, the television series, Ghost Whisperer, yeah. The Crow City of Angels, 1996. Rocky Five, yeah. House, Night of the Creeps. Five? Yeah, so some really cool stuff, man. I mean, it's not a good movie, but... No, but uh, <laughs> this kind of makes sense, too, because of who, <laughs> who put this film out. But he is also... Uh, responsible for a nightmare on elm street for the dream master as far as editing so okay. kind of makes sense yeah all right moving forward we have uh music composed by Ilya simaral and Ilya is known for some really cool films actually believe it or not ronin from 1998 stigmata from 99 battlefield earth <laughs> i like uh, stigmata yeah the film wrong turn from 2003 pretty decent film there See here, Tooth and Nail, Pulse, Parts uh, 1, 2, th and 3. 
Lost Boys, The Thirst. I don't know if I'd brag about that. And also Piranha 3 Double D. Kind of neat, yeah. And some pretty interesting things for television as well. You can go back a little bit. Nash Bridges, an episode of that. A Species Part 3, which is a television film. And uh, Blackbeard from 2006 as well. Ooh. Yeah, a couple of video games as well. It's kind of neat. Moving forward, we have special effects teams, Pixel Magic. They help with the visual effects. No Prisoners 3D Effects LLC. Also for the visual effects, Alterian. They help with the makeup and animatronics in the film. And WCT Productions help with the makeup as well. This was produced by Rupert Harvey, Peter Heller, and Lloyd Sagan. Production companies were New Line Cinema, hence the Nightmare on Elm Street. That's right. <laughs> and the Lloyd Sagan Company, Heller High Water Productions. I thought that was kind of a cool yeah. play on names, yeah. And the Hannah Rachel Production Services. All right. The distributors were New Line Cinema. They helped with 2003 USA DVD and VHS release. It had a premiere October 24th. Looks like 2001 here in the States. It had an estimated budget of about $16 million. It grossed 8.4, and I think it's opening weekend somewhere in the twos, like 2.4, 2.5 million dollars, something like that. Yeah, and bombed. yeah, it wasn't great. I don't think it has a very big cult following either. Mm-mm. I can kind of see maybe around the time period it came out because uh, of Snoop. Right. And, you know, that's like 2001, you had 9 11 and all that shit too, mm-hmm. you know, so that's kind of in the midst of all that shit. I also saw that it opened like 10th at the box office and it finished below Corky Romano, which I like Corky Romano, Romano. but it's not a great film. (laughs) It gets panned, but I like it still. I'm curious what else it was up against. Do you remember? I don't. That was just the one film I heard mention of. All right. So moving forward, cast. We have actually a, I don't know if you'd say star studded, but there's a lot of familiar faces in this film, believe it or not, outside of Snoop Dogg. But that's who we'll lead off with. You've already mentioned he plays the role of Jimmy Bones. Now, as if he really needs an introduction, and I would imagine today's society, especially here in the States, but... Oh, shit. I found it all. Oh, cool. Just because we were talking about it. Yeah, so yeah, no, it I'm, I'm kind of curious. This is interesting, actually. It was number 10, so let's let's go up from there. Okay. Nine, you already mentioned, Corky Romano. Eight, The Last Castle. Oh, I don't even know what that is. I think I kind of remember it, but oh, maybe not. Seven, Serendipity. <laughs> okay. Six, Bandits. Okay. Oh, this is where I'm, I'm starting to understand, like, how it wasn't in top five, because you have five is Training Day. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Makes sense. Four is Riding in Cars with Boys. Okay, yeah, that's kind of a indie film, but it, it did pretty well. Three, From Hell. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. You ain't going up against Johnny. No, sorry, Snoop. Not in 2001. Sorry, Snoop. Number two, 13 Ghosts. Oh, sweet. Yeah, makes sense. I fucking love that movie. I do, too. I like it a lot. The Dark Zodiac or whatever? That shit was baller. Anyway, one, K-Pax. Oh, shit, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The top three totally makes sense. Top five totally makes sense. Yeah, top five totally makes sense. Bones could have maybe beat Last Castle and Serendipity. Yeah, yeah, you would think, but... But I think Corky Romano also should have beat those two. I do as well. I really enjoy that movie. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Sometimes, you know, you get certain actors in films and they don't always do well, but I still enjoyed it. Oh, however, this was Corky Romano's third week. Oh, wow. Okay. So. Yeah, it's not its, not its opening weekend. No. That makes sense. Still, 
Anyway, that went way further into the box office than we normally go. But. I know, but it's still kind of interesting given the time period and what it was up against, mm-hmm. you know, and given its budget too. You have to kind of look into that stuff. There's a couple really good movies below it, but they're only below it because they're in like their like fifth and seventh week and shit. Because like Zoolander is in its fifth week and it's like number four. Do you want to hear something interesting though mm. about that? And this is a tie in to the box office numbers is that Snoop Dogg was actually in Training Day as Blue. <laughs> so he had technically two films inside the top ten. Hell yeah. Good for him. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Jeepers Creepers in its ninth week. It's like, I'll take I'll take back what I said about Sorry Snoop oh, Dogg. Okay. He got two in the top ten. Oh, this is funny. Down at number 34 because it's in its first week and the word of mouth hasn't built yet. Okay. Same opening weekend as Bones. Try to guess. 2001. Same opening weekend as Bones. This is insane that this is down at number 34. I think 2001. <sighs> I, I, yeah, Only I on know. 58 screens. I'm drawing a blank. Donnie Darko. Oh, no shit. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. Wow. No kidding. Huh. Well, that is very interesting. And right below that, Legally Blonde in its 16th week. Wow. Okay. No, I know we took a deep dive there, but that was still pretty cool. It shows you there were some actually really solid films in 2001, too. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Good on you, 2001. That and it shows <laughs> that this weed is hitting already. I know, dude. I gotta love it. I, I know we could really, really, really get into Snoop Dogg. I mean, aside from his music, because we'd be here all day talking about his music career. Just a few films of note. That when I think of Snoop Dogg and when it comes to films, Soul Plane. Yep. I also think of Half Baked. Mm, yep. He's like, oh man, I just quit yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I already mentioned Training Day, but Baby Boy is another film I think of him in. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was also in Starsky and Hutch as Huggy Bear Brown, <laughs> which is funny. That's one I probably think of pretty quickly. I dig that fucking Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> it's pretty damn decent. Do it. Do it. Yep, Soul Plane you already mentioned. Just looking through a few things. Oh, yeah, I did watch this one. Mac and Devin go to high school because mm. he's in that with uh, Wiz Khalifa. And my library actually carried that. That's how I found it. <laughs> yeah, and he's been in a I bunch of television. I heard that Dolomite is my name is really, really fucking good. But yeah. I haven't watched it yet. It's about Rudy Ray Moore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that was really good, too. Yeah, and, of course, he's been in a shit ton of television Lending his voice to a lot of different characters and a lot of different shows. Yeah, he's even done some Snoop. So he's even done some stuff with the WWE, some video game stuff. Def Jam, Fight for New York was really cool. So yeah, I mean, like I said, we'd be here all day, but that's just a few things. All right. Another actress, huge actress, is Pam Greer, and she plays the role of Pearl in the film. And uh, when you think about Pam Greer, my mind automatically goes back to the 70s and some black exploitation films. Foxy Brown. Without a doubt, dude. That's wow. a big one. The film Coffee is another big one from that time period. She was also in such things as like The Big Dollhouse, Women in Cages, The Big Bird Cage, Black Mama, White Mama, Scream, Blackula, Scream. Scream, Blackula, Scream. Yeah, dude. So, but some well, other black things. Black Mama, White Mama has um, fucking Captain Spaulding. Yeah, 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 dude. There you go. That's awesome, man. I was going to say, actually, when I think of her and the first things I actually saw her in, I'd have to go back, probably say Jackie Brown. That might have been the first time I'd like actually remember 
thinking like, oh, I know who this is now. Mine would have been Jackie, either Jackie Brown or Mars Attacks. Okay. Although the first time I saw her would have been Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. That's I'd, a good point. I too. just wouldn't have thought of it being Pam Greer yet at that point. Yeah, like I said, that's something I'm thinking like, when did I really, like, when did it register? Jackie like, Brown's oh. probably when it registered for me, too. Yeah, I'm thinking that. Yeah, 1999. I know that's something we talked about. I don't want to get in depth about the blockbuster films in 1999 because we'd be here all day again. But she was in Jawbreaker, dude. That's a good film. She mm -hmm. was in Ghost of Mars from 2001. Some John Carpenter there. I still don't know how we haven't covered that fucking movie because I love <laughs> that movie. <laughs> You nice. have Ice Cube somebody playing somebody called Desolation Williams. How is that not fucking cool? Anyway, I'll save it. Oh, man. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah, like I said, she's done a lot of television as well. I'm just kind of looking through here. Lent her voice in video games like Grand Theft Auto V as a radio presenter. DJ on the in-game radio station, Lowdown 91.1. It's really cool. Yeah, and she appeared in Snoop Dogg's music video as Foxy Brown in Doggy Dog World, 1994s. So that was really cool. All right, moving forward, we have Michael T. Weiss. He plays the role of Detective Lupovich. Yeah, Loopy Lou. And Loopy Lou. This guy's actually been some pretty cool shit, some horror films specifically. He was in Howling Part 4, the original Nightmare, back in 1988. He was uh, in the 1996 and 1999 film Freeway and Freeway 2. He was also in such things as uh, 2001's television films, The Pretender 2001 and Island of the Haunted. He's been in such things as uh, Sex in the City Part 2 back in 2010. He's done stuff like Dark Shadows, 11 episodes back in 91. Men in Black, the series back in 2000. More recently, I guess, Young Justice. He did seven episodes back in 2012 through 13 as Captain Atom. Damn, that was him? That's funny. Yeah, dude. Pretty cool. Another guy's done some video game work. Uh, he did... Dormammu and Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Fate of Two Worlds. Dude, I just got done talking about Dormammu for like an hour and a half. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we were doing over on the other show. What are the odds? <laughs> All right, here's something that I was so tickled pink when I found out exactly who this guy was because it was bugging me a little bit. Like, man, I recognize the face. I just can't place him right off the top of my head. But I am talking about Clifton Powell. He plays the role of Jeremiah Pete in the film and the reason why it was bugging me and irritating me is because i have a very special place in my heart for a series of films is a trilogy of films rush hour no no <laughs> it's not a bad one but i'm actually talking about a trilogy did they do three did they do four uh man i lost count i almost did lose count but he plays one of my favorite characters in a film called Next, Ninjas. Next Friday. Wow. <laughs> or he plays the role of Pinky, where he owns like oh, the yeah, record yeah. store where Day Day works at. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's starting to make a lot more sense. But, dude, this guy's been in some killer films. You can go back to like 1990s House Party. You already mentioned Three Ninjas. Menace to Society is Chauncey. He was in uh, 1998, where Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, yo. That's right. <laughs> he was in Deep Rising. Uh, Why do fools fall in love? He, Why do fools fall in love? <laughs> damn, fool. <laughs> he played Martin Luther King Jr., which is appropriate because uh, we have to mention we're in February. It is Black History Month. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and he starred in oh, 1999's shit, yeah, Selma, Lord Selma, yeah. which is really cool. If you've ever seen Hot Boys from 2000. Ray. Yeah, Ray. I mean, he played Jeff Brown. That's pretty big. He was in Norbit back in 2007. 
a little bit more recently, maybe uh, All Eyes on Me from 2017. Done a bunch of television stuff. He's done some stuff on the Boondocks. He was on television's Rock from 1992 through 1994. Actually, I used to watch that a lot with my sister and brother. Mm. Yeah, I actually really like that show. He was been on like the Jamie Foxx show more recently. He was on The Last OG and stuff like Hawaii Five O. So yeah, also did some stuff on some video game work. All right, we have Ricky Harris plays the role of Eddie Mack in the film. He's been in some cool shit just as well. Stuff like Poetic Justice. You might have seen him in Tales from the Hood as Little Deke. He was also in Heat back in '95, High School High as a DJ. He was in Moesha, the television series from 96 through 98. The movie is not a great film. It was 1999, Simon Says, mm. starring Dennis Rodman. Oh, shit. That's right. Okay. Yeah. He was actually in a television show that you watch. We've brought it up several times, but he was on an episode of ER back in 2005. That's right about the time I was falling off, but I still might have saw that. Nice, so. man. It looks like he was in the 2015 film Dope. I heard it was actually really good. Unfortunately, passed from a heart attack. Though. I saw that. Yeah, that is unfortunate, man. Pretty relatively young, too, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 54. Yeah. All right, we have Bianca Lawson. She plays the role of Cynthia, who is the daughter of Pam Greer's character in the film. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, and she's been in some really cool stuff. When you go back, she was a regular on the television series Saved by the Bell, The New Class. You might have seen her in such things as Pretty Little Liars and Rogue. She was if also. She showed up in seven episodes yeah. of Sister Sister. I definitely saw her. <laughs> one of these things that kind of blew my mind. I'll, I'll get through a couple of these credits, but there was one. I was like, man, I've actually seen her before. Before I even seen this film, maybe not so much with the television because I I didn't recognize her back then. But anywho, you've already mentioned Sister Sister. She was also in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Steve Harvey Show, Dawson's Creek. Uh, uh, she was on that Dawson's. Yeah, I was like, that's pretty cool. She was also in The Witches of East End, and it looks like in 2016 she was in Queen Sugar. But one of the films that I need to bring up, I was like, oh, shit, I actually own it. I've pitched it a couple times, but she was in 2004's Dead and Breakfast. I was like, oh, Oh, shit. shit. Yeah, she was also, believe it or not, in 2003's Jeepers Creepers. Really cool. She was in Primary Colors from 1998, and uh, National Lampoon's Pledge This. So, a couple of things I've actually seen her in, just didn't recognize her until I started seeing some of these credits. Uh, another thing of note, a little side trivia, she's a stepsister of Queen Bee, and I am talking about Beyonce Knowles. Oh, shit. And her sister, Solange Knowles, yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. All right, an actress we've talked about, a couple of different reasons why, is because we covered two seasons back-to-back, Two back, because we actually did three seasons of it, but mm-hmm. two seasons in which she started. In, and I'm talking about the television series Hannibal, where she played Mason Verter's sister. I can't remember what her name on the show was. Uh, Margo. Was oh, yeah, Margo. Yeah, 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 Verter. Episodes 41 and 42 on seasons one and two of Hannibal. Oh, Catherine Isabel. <laughs> I know. Oof. Oof. I don't want to get too uh, goo-goo-eyed, but... And a couple of other things of note, which I think a lot of people probably do recognize her for, is uh, she was in the Ginger Snap series. Right. Yeah, which is really cool. She co-starred along another actress, Emily Perkins, who we talked about briefly when we covered uh, It Chapter One. That was the television adaptation back in 1990. And Emily Perkins plays her sister in Ginger Snaps, which is really cool. But uh, some other things of note, I know she was in the X-Files because her father worked on that, Graham Murray which is really cool. 
She's been in such things as, let's see, American Mary, something I remember her from. She was in Freddy vs. Jason. Um, this is just like coming off the top of my head. A couple episodes in the second season of Supernatural. Yeah, that's really cool. 30 Days of Night, Dark Days back in 2010. I know some people have probably seen her in See No Evil Part 2. She was in Disturbing Behavior. Yeah, like I said, a lot of stuff. A lot of Canadian stuff, too. It makes sense because she is Canadian. But somebody we've touched upon, like I said, several times before. Nothing inappropriate, though. No. <laughs> All right. No hashtag me too here. Yeah, no, no, no. Not that kind of touching. <laughs> All right. Next actor I have is Khalil Kane. He plays the role of Patrick Pete. Now, Catherine Isabel, this guy, Khalil... And Clifton Powell, they're all related in the movie. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, what somebody refers to as a rainbow coalition. <laughs> yeah. Khalil Kane, I fucking love because I love the movie Renaissance Man from 94. That's actually a good DeVito. Danny DeVito film. It really is, man. He was in Juice, which is another Juice good film. Juice is great. Yeah, man. Juice is a really fucking good movie. <laughs> a couple of things I've actually have watched. Living Single, television series back in 96. He was in, I think, a few episodes there. It's one I used to watch a lot. It was also in a film I watched, which led me to watch some like uh, black exploitation stuff. But he was in the film Badass, oh. which was, um, I believe, it was Mario Van Peebles did the documentary about his dad, who was in all those black exploitation films back in the seventies. Also, I did actually watch the Showtime Tiger Woods biopic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw where he played <laughs> Tiger Woods at like age twenty-one, something mm -hmm. like that. I don't think I watched all of it. I think it was one of those things where I was like. <laughs> Yeah. Well, nothing else is on. I like this guy. Let's go check it out. <laughs> yeah. Go, go El Tigre. Oh, shit. Something else is on. Good, <laughs> Good deal. Yeah, I was going to say, for uh, one last credit I have is he was in the television series Girlfriends from 2001 through 2008. So, All right, we have Merwin Bondesuri plays the role of Bill Pete, the brother of Patrick and Tia Pete. A film, man, I was like, I never thought we'd actually mention this, but film I really enjoy. It stars Don Cheadle. It's kind of a tragic story, really good film, but that film is Rebound, The Legend of Earl the Goat Manigault. Hmm. Highly recommend that film. It's really good, but it's super depressing. All right, he was also in the film The Recruit. He's been in such things as Godsend. He was in Lost Boys, The Tribe. He was also part of Smoke and Aces, Part 2, Assassin's Ball. If you've seen Grave Encounters or Code 8, he's also been in those films. All right, I've got a couple of other actors and actresses of note, then we'll kind of run out the cast and crew, but... I've got Linda Boyd. She's not in it very long. She plays Nancy Pete. She is the mother of the Pete family, I suppose, if you want to call her that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the reason to bring her up, she's actually been in some really cool stuff, man. Most notably because she's a voice actress. And when you look at some of her roles and her voices that she's lent, I'm like, damn, dude, this is pretty cool, dude. So uh, if you've ever seen, I don't know, maybe Ranma, one half, the movie Big Trouble in Necronon in China, she voiced Monlon in that. She also voiced uh, Elza in Fatal Fury 2, The New Battle, which I know some of this is based off video games, like Street Fighter. She was Satin Hammer back in 95. She was in actually some live action stuff. She was in Final Destination Part 2, which is really cool. She was in Reefer Madness, the movie musical, which I've actually seen. She was in The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift as Miss Boswell. And more recently, Broken Diamonds and Hot Tub Time Machine, which is really cool. Like I said, she's done a ton of television shows as well. We'd be here all day talking about some of those. But, <laughs> yeah, good grief. Man. Right. Yeah, Supergirl, Supernatural, several episodes of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. She was Mrs. Tessmacher. 
She was an episode of Masters of Horror, The V Word. It was also really cool. So, yeah, it makes sense because noted, I will say this, there are several Two uh, different Canadian. episodes of Supernatural seven years apart as two different characters. That's funny. <laughs> I was going to say, there are several Canadian actors and actresses on this, so it makes sense when you see some of these projects. All right, moving forward, I have Sean Amsing. He plays a role of Maurice, who is like the best friend of the Peets, the teenage Peets. Yeah. So he was in such things as Disturbing Behavior. He went uncredited, but he played the role of Damon in that. He was in an episode of Sabrina, the animated series back in 1999. Hmm. You might have seen him in Dark Angel. He was in an episode of that, which is kind of cool. He was in an episode of Dead Like Me, the pilot episode, actually, where he played druggie number one. He was a falafel vendor, if you've ever seen Kicking It Old School back in 2007. It's really cool. Another episode of Supernatural back in 2018, hospital show. So, yeah, he's got done some pretty cool stuff, man. All right, we have Ron Selmore. He plays a role of shotgun in the film. He's been in some really cool stuff, too. He was in the Crow, Stairway to Heaven television series back in 1999. You might have seen him in such things as Freddy Got Fingered, where he played a security guard. <laughs> that was pretty cool. All right, he was a part of Dark Angel from 2000 through 2002. He's been in such things as the Chronicles of Riddick. He was a slam guard back in that. He was in Kingdom Hospital in 2004. It was really neat. He was in Black Christmas from 2006. Film we actually haven't covered, but we did the original. I think I prefer that, perhaps. <laughs> he was also in Arrow, the television series from 2013 through 14, where he played the role of the Butcher. Mm. Yeah, and he was in last season's series of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina as Baron Samedi, chapters 36 and 34. So, huh, I have to look out for him there. All right, I've got a couple other people round out the cast crew. We've got Deezer D plays the role of Stank in this. He's Malik on ER. It's crazy, man. He's like one of the, the homeboys, like one of Eddie Mac's sidekicks or whatever in the film. But yeah, you're right. He's been in some cool stuff, man. I was looking at some of his uh, filmography. You go back, he was in CB4 as Otis, Stabmaster, Arson. <laughs> it's pretty funny. He was in The Great White Hype, which I thought was really neat. He was in uh, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, Bring It Down the House. Yeah, you already mentioned ER. Damn, 190 episodes. Yeah, dude, he was one of the main nurses. That is awesome. Malik's dude. awesome. Yeah, so it's cool to see him in this. All right, I have Kirby Morrow. He plays one of the frat boys in the film, if that makes sense. Right, and I'm like, all right, why would I bring him up? Well, man, there's a big bad reason. This is another one of those guys, actors slash you know actresses we bring up who do a lot of voiceover work. Okay, he did a lot of English dubbing for some pretty big anime series, and one of them happens to be Mobile Suit Gundam, which he did the Mobile Suit Gundam Wing and television series. Man, ninety five through ninety six, he did a lot of shit there. Endless Waltz is a part of that as well. Let's see, he was Michelangelo in the Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation television series from 97 through 98. He was also a part of the Outer Limits television show. Man, I know I'm leaving a big one out, but there's a reason why. I want to get through some of these other ones first. Damn, yeah, X-Men Evolution of Cyclops, 2000 through 2003. But the one I wanted to bring up is because I'm like, Jesus Christ, I know I've heard his voice. Because if you ever watched Dragon Ball Z... Mm. especially around 2000 through 2003. He voiced, this is a Canadian version though, but I'm sure I've heard it, but he voiced Goku, Pintar, and fake Goku amongst others 
for 117 episodes. Oh, like, damn. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Yeah, so I heard, and I was reading some Holy stuff too, like, shit. he was a huge draw at a lot of, like, comic cons and I bet. all kinds of conventions and shit. Yeah, because it's Goku, dude. <laughs> you know, so I was like, I hope he would be. That is pretty awesome. Otherwise, right. I don't know. Things are wrong with people. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I don't even fucking like care for DBZ all that much. That thing, it always left you kind of like on a... On a like, screen. Oh, man, that shit used to piss me off. Or yell. <laughs> yeah, it's like on the next episode. It's like, man, just let me see the episode already. <laughs> all right, I have two more people. I have Aaron Wright, who plays Snowflake. The only thing really that of note outside of this, I would say, is she was in... Nightmares and Dreamscapes from the stories of Stephen King, where she played Janis Joplin in the episode You Know They Got a Hell of a Band from 2006. That's fucking random. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And the last actress, she's only in it for, oh man, I'd say all of 30 seconds at best. But her name is Ellen Iwusi, and she plays the role of the death lady in the film. You're like, why did you bring her up? Well, she's been in some really cool shit. She was in Masters of Horror. For the episode Pelts, directed by Dario Argento. No shit. Yeah, back in 2006. She was also a part of Fear Itself, which was like the third season, essentially, of Masters of Horror, but, you know, Switch Networks. She was in the episode Chance, where she played Walter's wife. She was in Disney XD Skyrunner's Testimonials. A couple episodes of Supernatural, back in 2014 through 15, where she played Sheriff Coltrane. She was also in Fifty Shades Darker as a gallery guest. Yeah, so some interesting stuff. I know she's also a, a model as well, so hmm. some things of note there. But yeah, I mean, that pretty much rounds out cast and crew. I know you gave us a brief setup. Got to give you some warnings. Warnings. Cussing. Yes. Titties. Fucking dude's, dude's definitely smoking weed, right? So. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. There's some fondling. There. Yeah. I have to mention that. That's true. Yeah, there's some molestation that we'll have to elaborate on but it's there it's definitely there i mean some violence and some blood not too much gore there's a couple there's things a little bit here and there that yeah. are, are gore but there's a decent amount of blood but 90 percent of the blood looks like wax yeah for some people you could say there might be some imagery that might you know mm -hmm. supernatural stuff too going on so you know you're not really into the supernatural yeah if you're not down like with seances and stuff like that as well yeah if you don't like creepy old houses if you don't like snoop dog yeah so what's wrong with you the fuck's wrong with you <laughs> i don't know man i think that's all the warnings right like i think so it's not too bad yeah so let's get into how bones made a squizzle <laughs> how does that make you squeal this is the story of Jimmy Bones, black as night and hard as stone. Gold-plated deuce like the King of Siam, got a switchblade loose and a diamond on his hand. He took his life, he never rested in peace. Now his vengeance will be unleashed. Yeah, told you I'd get it in. <laughs> get it in, brother. No, fuck it. This is the tale of Jimmy Bones, black as night, tough as stones, has been stuck in my fucking head ever since I first saw this goddamn movie. <laughs> Understandably so. Yeah, Bones. We watched it. How did it make you squeal? What's what's you've seen this before, right? I like, have, I've man. Seen it, it. it has been so long. It's been a long ass time. Yeah, I know. I've mentioned 
something of, of this story before, but during that time period, early 2000s, I was hanging out with a couple of friends and just kind of like we do. Only difference is we didn't record anything, but sit around, get high, watch horror films, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes schlocky films like Steven Seagal shit. This was one of those films that found its way in the rotation. It was one I didn't really pay a lot of attention to, mainly because I was stoned and shit. Mm-hmm. But it was one I remembered vaguely because, you know, Pam Greer and Snoop Dogg and some other people. Catherine Isabel a little bit, but that's a little bit before I knew who she was. But I was like, yeah, it's not a bad film. You know, it was it was entertaining. It was just one of those you can put on the background, you know, get stoned to. Mm-hmm. But I, like I said, I hadn't seen it in so long. They haven't really thought about it a lot. Maybe just in some of those discussions when you think of like, black horror films i think of like tales from the hood and stuff like this so that's kind of my history with it right so this came out like right at the heyday of me getting to rent fucking free movies from the convenience store my mom worked at so i don't remember going and seeing this in theaters i'm i'm positive i didn't didn't. maybe not positive positive but i'm like 75 percent sure i didn't (laughs) yeah if it came to Superior, I probably did go see it. I'm just not positive it actually came here. I definitely didn't come to Missoula to watch it. Yeah, gotcha. But I would have seen it when it became available for me to rent for free from my mom's workplace. So I probably saw it as early as, I don't know, mid-2002. Okay. I mean, I liked it then, for sure. I know I watched it probably at least two or three times back in the day it wasn't one that i kept going back to but it was one that i definitely put in the vcr more than one time (laughs) i can't remember when the last time jesse if you're listening to this episode did we watch this shit together get just let me know i i can't remember i fucking smoked that shit away hit us up i might have seen it like one time in the last decade maybe i I don't remember for sure (laughs) otherwise it's probably been almost since 2002, yeah. maybe 2003. I was going to say probably for me, 2003-ish. Yeah, 2002-ish maybe. Unless during one of the times me and fucking Jesse were just throwing on shit from our fucking youth, and we ended up putting this back in, which might have happened when we were working at Kmart together. I, <laughs> we watched a bunch of shit. Like I've been there, done that. Yeah. But I can't remember if this ended up being on, you know in that rotation or not there's a chance it was i don't remember it's in the haze yeah so i remembered hardly nothing about this likewise be frank other than there's a number of scenes with snoop just looking fly as shit and my memory didn't fail me he looks really fucking fly in a few fucking scenes no doubt otherwise though i couldn't have fucking told you anything about this movie other than he's an avenging ghost. And now after re-watching it, like, this movie's fine, but I had a hard time paying attention to it because it's not nearly as exciting as it should be. <laughs> yeah, it has its faults, you know. There's some things I do like about it, and there's some things I have, just like anybody else, we all find faults here and there for any film. And I'm, I'm not even know. sure if I can say what its faults... I mean, I've probably got a couple things I can <laughs> say about its faults, but, like, for whatever reason, I was just like, uh, and just kept finding myself tuning it out like yeah i think it, for me it's like some of the pacing is just kind of like ah uh, not a whole lot going on i mean the story itself it's i mean it's pretty simple it's a revenge story you know mm-hmm. an avenging spirit who was wronged you know it's nothing we haven't seen before it's still you know relatively well done but yeah for me it's just some of the pacing feels like uh 
you can kind of get distracted easy. There was moments where I'm like, I don't I need to focus. I need to write my notes. I need to not try to look at my phone right now. Right. Yeah, that was the hardest thing. I was just like, I, you got to focus. You got to focus. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, like, because they pack a lot into this. There, There is a lot going on in this film. There was a part where I was like, I got to be close to the end. I've been watching this for like two fucking hours. <laughs> and I pause it and I'm like, there's... 20 minutes left in this how is there 20 minutes left in this i have been sitting my beard has grown three inches since i've been sitting here we're not getting any younger you've already had four movies where's the end of it i don't know it's weird that it feels so long for how much is packed in but yeah and i think it's because you have a certain mix of characters it is like how do you incorporate them all into this story that has a lot of other subplots going on too mm-hmm. you know so i don't know i think they do a decent job of balancing it and there's some things where i'm like ah uh, it reminds me of like a bunch of films jammed into one film just because of like some of the nods and maybe some of the direction it was trying to go into you know well like okay it's a little bit candy man Yes, it certainly is. especially because it tries to touch on a little bit of social commentary. Yeah, there is some social commentary without a doubt in this film. I thought at times Snoop was a little tall manny. He did feel a little bit like that. And even like the City of the Dead is kind of just like tall man's fucking... His Mars Other dimension, yeah. Yeah, well, because this is a New Line Cinema film, there's several times where I'm like, and they are leaning really into Nightmare on Elm Street and some of this stuff. Mm. You know, there's homages. One of them, I think, is right on the nose is from Suspiria with maggots. Oh. I mean, that's that was pretty obvious to me. So little stuff like that, but I don't think it distracted too much. It's just like, okay, there's some nods here and there. It's like Snoop is kind of Frank. <laughs> yeah. Hellraiser. Yeah, he is. He also, I, I've even seen some things where people liken him to like kind of a western figure too Mm. you know there's some scenes where he has like that long trench coat you know he's the avenging spirit so to speak so he has a long trench coat severely overpowers pretty much everyone around him fucks with one of the guys kills him by appearing as a dog and eating his guts which makes him extremely a la carte man yeah it really does it really does yeah because he can take Several forms. He's, or at least a spirit yeah. can. He's an avenging ghost <laughs> with one thing tying him to the physical realm where it <laughs> takes him out if you take that out. So he's kind of the crow. Exactly, dude. That's what I'm saying. It feels like there's a lot of little homages and like maybe borrowing from other plot lines from different stories, you know. And this probably would have been better if it would have just settled down and been any one, one of those, of those. <laughs> any two of those yeah I, exactly and i would have been fine with that too i think it would have had a better flow and probably the impact would have been a little bit more felt but some of them can work together because some of them are more yeah. style rather than story i agree i think you could weave so you like layer a candy esque mm-hmm. story in this and that would, would make sense it still has similar feels now from what i understand there was executive meddling on this oh, i can see why i think new line right before this came out had a few other movies tank so they re-edited this so they could justify a smaller marketing to have a better chance at recouping their losses 
and so they recut it to be more like an exploitation movie and yeah, okay and then tried to sell it exclusively to the black audience all right i wanted to get this out of the way when 2001 <laughs> snoop has everybody eaten out of the fucking palm of his hand there's you can correct me if i'm wrong here but there was times in this film where it does feel like it's pandering mm-hmm. to you know like i said the the black community maybe the latino community a little bit well and some of the editing is also just weird yeah i agree like there's some uh, dialogue like, weird op, like choppy slowdowns mm-hmm. where it's like that wasn't meant to be slowed down was it and you guys couldn't do something to smooth that out there's some adr stuff i notice here and there just angled conversational stuff where i'm like that's kind of looks yeah like you could tell you could tell and i think they reused the same fucking shot of like snoop nodding his head in his fucking car like three different times i think you're right dude it's like we're just gonna repurpose this we already got the shot why the fuck not I'd be curious to see if the original cut is any better. That's a good point, too. Uh, yeah, there's no telling, but it would be neat to see regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so starting off with this movie, <laughs> I want to reach out to the white boys at the beginning. <laughs> if they're letting you know where the stash spot is, they're fucking with your car. Oh, without a doubt. Come on, man. If they're sending you around the corner to somebody else who's the one actually holding, there you go. But you're not going to a drop-off spot because they need to be able to reuse that drop-off spot. They can't let you know where it is because then you could just walk by any time of the fucking day and hope they have something in there for the next fucking customer and just grab it yourself. If you're being sent to a spot, you're banking your car. You're getting got. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just remember that. Remember that future reference, white boys. But the way they roll up to in a Viper and it's like, all right, now, granted, you made mention and it makes sense. You know, you could say, okay, this is like maybe some of the black exploitation, maybe something too where in this film where they're killing, spoiler, but the first two victims in the film are white boys. Oh, I thought you were going to go on the fact that like Deezer D and his homie there oh, are a yeah. little bit over, over the, the top. top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little <laughs> bit mine. I've even seen somebody, they're like, I wonder if Terrence Howard got the inspiration for his character <laughs> and hustle and flow from Skank. And I think that was his name in this I film. I think so. I'm like, all right. I could they're see both that mind. a little over the top. I'm like, they are. I'm like, all right, all right. I, I'll see where this is going. But granted, 2001, you know, we made mention of this a little bit when we talked about Usher and stuff mm. like that with. This was like a time period where a lot of hip-hop artists and rappers and stuff were getting into like drama and in this case horror and stuff like that. So it kind of makes sense that you would see some of this kind of jive talking and over-exaggeration. Also in this early part of the movie, Snoop Dogg, I love you. (laughs) I'm just going to address... I know Snoop listens, so I'm going to address you directly, Snoop. I don't mind Snoop Lion. I don't mind Fruit Juice. But Snoop, I'm not feeling your version of the big payback. (laughs) Big payback, yeah. Wasn't doing it for me. Nah. I wanted to like it. I didn't recognize it at first. And then I was like, wait, what did he just say? I got to rewind this for a second. Oh, he's been doing this the entire time. Nah, fuck this version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when you when you get the rhythm down and yeah, you kind of hear it. You're like, okay, there it is. But some of the like early stuff that was going on, 
I was like, oh, this is another one of those examples of like uh, some of the earlier versions of CG, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't some bad. Some of it worked really well. Yeah, so some of it wasn't bad. Some of it, there was one in particular I actually I got a good chuckle out of because it was ridiculous. The shadow hands that were kind of like portals where you could see into the oh, hell realm from them. Pretty neat. That was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. No, there's some practical stuff too. I really and enjoyed the hell realm and the fucking in general. Anytime they show like the wall of bodies and yeah, shit. Yeah, dude, that was awesome. I was, that shit was fucking cool. Yeah, I was I don't know that. who had all those fucking really good ideas on the uh, set of this movie because there are some was doing really some good, good ideas drugs. in here. There was some good drug taking going on. <laughs> but no, I agree. There was some really cool stuff with some of the digital, some of the practical. There was good uses. There were some... The different nightmare sequences and shit. Yeah, I thought those were good too. There was some stuff like that that reminded me of some other films, like I said, with maybe some of the editing techniques, too. You could see there was some stylish stuff going on in this film where it felt like, okay, that's mm-hmm. maybe where some of those budget's kicking in. But anywho, the white boys, after they learn, you know, hey, our car is getting fucked with, they go inside the house, they're hiding from the cops. One of the cops is like, it's not worth going in there. <laughs> you know, that, that fucking guy. And you kind of get these little snippets, little flashbacks mm-hmm. of a story. You don't know quite what it is, but you know there's something there. They did a pretty good job with that, too. The, the, I thought just so. Barely enough to get you intrigued, and then they let you know it all later on. And you're like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. I get it now. Exactly. Oh, shit. They're all involved. God damn. Uh, okay. Like, yeah. It makes sense. And I like that. And <laughs> the dude shot That's why I don't completely hate this movie, because there's some really neat things no. in there. I totally agree with you there, too. There's some cool things where they're tying together threads. The guy across the street who got chased by the dog earlier, shotgun. Once his white boys think they escaped, he's like, you guys need to get out of there. They think it's a big old joke. And honestly, I was like, I see it coming. He's going to get pulled right back in, and he does. The other guy, I don't care how many times you see it, how bad or how good it is. Anytime you see nails get dragged that was pretty good. That was good. I'm like, that shit sucks anytime you see it. Because, mm-hmm. man, I don't like that kind of stuff. I don't no. like, no. It's like, look, I get it. I get a little squeamish with that stuff. <laughs> you know, some of that body horror stuff, it, it'll make you squeamish. But anyway, it was and still like good. The blood flying out's cool. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It's I giving you a the, setup. Man, this movie would be so much better if they had just took the time to make the blood look good. Yeah, I had the a big problem. I had a big problem with that. Bad most of the time. There's it looks like, 70s bad. Yeah. There's maybe like two times in this movie the blood looks good. I, yeah. I can't even name them off the top some, of my head. For me, I'll tell you, like, some of the, like, the close-up shadow sequences of the two guys getting attacked by the dog. Mm. You see the mm-hmm. blood spray because it's not so obvious that it looks waxy or lipsticky. At least it didn't look waxy when it was the blood bed. You no, know, that it looked didn't... fucking decent. The color still wasn't quite there. Right, but it was But it decent. didn't look like the rest of it. No, 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 no. It was probably arguably one of the better uses of blood in the film. Which is fucking terrible, because it still <sighs> no. wasn't great. No, I, I kind of got it, but you're right, it wasn't great. It was like a nope. it was like a six and a half, maybe a seven out of ten on, on the blood. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, passing. Yeah, 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 it's yeah I agree. It's got that C. Maybe that C minus. <laughs> because we've done so many films, you can't help. But compare and contrast when you see stuff like this on the day. I won't say on the daily, but on the weekly. But most of this blood's like D plus, dude. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. Whoever, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but if it wasn't, you didn't mm. do a good job. Make it a learning experience. Yeah. That's well, yeah. one of those things, though, where it's like a lot of people had to okay on that. That's what I'm saying. And 
typically too, there's a little trivia as well. As I know that certain films, I don't know if all of them do, but they do color testing too. Mm-hmm. You see how it looks with backdrops and lighting and all that other stuff. So you're right. Somebody else, it wasn't just the makeup people. There were other people involved too. Should have known better. Yeah. And I mean, somebody probably said something. <laughs> I know. Somebody got shut down. You know what I mean? Somebody said something. Yeah. We don't have the budget for it. I don't know about that. <laughs> I can probably make a better, cheaper, dude. I know. Come on, dude. Is it, look, come on. It doesn't cost that much. <laughs> Syrup doesn't cost this much. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, that was one little gripe I had. The blood wasn't that great. There's another gripe I have a little bit because of a word they use. It's meaning a scene and disregarding the meaning of the word. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm glad I looked into this. Okay. All right. So. After you get the introduction of Jimmy Bones, 1979 Jimmy Bones, mm-hmm. you learn he's like running numbers, all that stuff, right? It looks like he's beloved by the block. Then you get the introduction of the 14s. Patrick, his brother Bill, their stepsister Tia, who's Catherine Isabel, and their friend Maurice. Catherine Isabel. I know she's brave. But you learn they, quote unquote, purchase the brownstone. They want to turn it into a club. And you see, I think it's Patrick who has the flyer. Did you the, catch the name of the I club? I did. I, ca- I caught all that stuff. Okay. So this is where the gripe is coming in. All right. And it doesn't have to do with the Resurrection Brothers. That was a little bit on the nose. <laughs> you know, that was... Okay, I get that. But the Club Ilbient. That's one of my notes. That name is perfect for the time period. Like, that feels 2001 in a fucking nutshell. That club would have been killer for, like, a year and a half. And then that name would have felt dated as fuck. All right, this is the reason I have the gripe. Is not because of the name, is because of what they did and didn't do with the name. All right, so Ilbient, I was like, why would they choose that and what does it mean? Does it have a meaning? And it does. I don't know if you knew or looked it up or anything. I was guessing it's what, a cross between illumination and ambient? Close, close. You're not too far off. It's actually a genre of. It's a genre, yeah, this is a genre of electronic music. It combines the hip-hop slang term ill and ambient. All right, so this is where the gripe comes in. Oh, so there's actually a genre ill This is a real genre. And they're not playing ill-beant. They're just taking that as the name of the club. Right. Okay. And that's where I had the gripe. Because I was like, hold on, wait a minute. (laughs) I was like, all right, yes, it's 2001. Yes, this is before Wikipedia and YouTube and all that other stuff. But... When did this genre start? Late 90s, maybe even mid 90s. It, it was kind of born out of Brooklyn as a, like I said, a cross of different genres, like different DJs and stuff like that. You know? if, it's just, if you're telling me it's ill ambient music, it's just making me think of lo fi hip hop beats. It's, it's kind of, they call it, describe it as like dub mix. Okay. So it has like a little bit of an industrial feel. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's it's definitely ambient, but like said, some of the the texture feels a little industrial. Mm. What those sounds mix, it's like city landscape kind of stuff. Okay, right. So I was like, oh, because in the club scene later on, they're playing shit that's like p funk, hip hop, rap. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this Which, is not it'll be I mean, at yeah, all. of course, it's just like a little bit of G funk makes sense because fucking Snoop's in the. Movie. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like for soundtrack purposes got to keep it consistent it fits with everything else they've put in there right but they're not playing any ilbian right and i'm like why would you choose that name if you're not going to showcase it here's the thing like ilbian's perfect for opening a club in 2000 2000 yeah yeah maybe the name but as soon as you find out that the place was owned by jimmy bones 
you name the place Bones. Oh, man. And then you have a fucking future proof name, because that name is killer any time of the yeah, day. Yeah, name of the Boneyard, Bones, something like that. Play on the word. <laughs> yeah, if you want to keep with the times, Boneyard works great. If you want it timeless, just straight bones. up Bones. You're good, man. Yeah. One word. Everybody's going to recognize it. Yeah. It's ageless, timeless, mm-hmm. if you want to say that. Yeah. Perfect. I do like the design of the home, even though you can tell it's not as big as it looks. <laughs> or at least they try to make it look like. Mm-hmm. On the outside of the house, that brownstone doesn't look that big. I mean, it has some size, but when you get inside of it, it has more depth. There's like a fucking a sub-basement. Yeah, there's like 15 basements in this motherfucker. And then you see the elevator shaft. You're like, there's no way that's the penthouse. <laughs> All the way the fuck up there. Come on now. <laughs> this is just supposed to be a two-story brownstone. Come on. One flight of stairs. You don't need an elevator for Dude, that. Bones had it tricked out. Yeah, I'm not complaining about that. I'm just like, it logically. Want, huh? Yeah, I'm like, dude, I would love that. Like, I'll grow some dank. Dude, I didn't do anything to harm Bones. No. I bring him back. He's probably just going to let me chill in his fucking place while he goes and does what he needs to do. I was like, we can run numbers again. (laughs) I'm with you. That's the one weird thing about this to me. Yeah. As we see Bones in flashbacks, and as we just think of Snoop as a person, it doesn't seem to me that his ghost would immediately go to strong-arming and just, like, going out of his way to be scary and, like, hurtful towards these people that just woke yeah. him up. Yeah, I agree. He seems like the kind, like, if he was going to interact with them at all, it'd be to try to, like, deal with them. He might still hustle them. Right. But it wouldn't be, yeah. But it wouldn't be fucking scary hands. <laughs> yeah, that's totally, it, it doesn't make sense with what you see in those two different time periods. Present day in the 1970s version of Bones. The way he's portrayed in most of the movie, basically. Right. Other than when they need him to be a scary force in the beginning or like suddenly just torturing fucking Khalil for no reason <laughs> at the end and going all fucking demon face. Yeah, that was weird. Which once again, doesn't fit with his character because oh. Khalil didn't have anything to do with this shit. No, you know, it, I know that's not his, that's his real name, not his character name. But right, right, right. It was Patrick, but okay. that's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to call him Patrick, but yeah, Khalil's character, his intentions were good, Right. Taking an old property, trying to revive a part of a neighborhood his dad grew up in. That seems like something the Jimmy Bones we see in the flashbacks... Would appreciate. Exactly. He'd probably be like, let me help the little brother out. Yeah, it's like, at you one just, time... I just need you to do something for me. Look up where these motherfuckers live for me. Yeah. I, I can do that. That's cool. I know some of these people. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what you gonna do my pops? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. All right. That's something else I want to mention, too, about this film. Some of the consequences of these characters. Some of them I don't think are deserving of their fates. Like, one in particular, Bill. All right. First off, we, we've already talked about them buying the house, even oh, if yeah, we skirted around it really around. quickly. I do want to say, not only when they first buy the house and go check it out, that's when they find Bones the dog. Yes. Tia finds the dog in a closet. She's eating a hamburger, and it looks like she might be getting fucked with because you see the... Like the spirit oh, coming right. up behind her, but no, no, no. The dog eats the burger and everything seems copacetic at that point. I love dogs. I don't want to see, like, if I have the space to bring a dog into my home, and I don't right now, especially, oh yeah, I ain't no. even supposed to have what I have right now. <laughs> and, like, I find one in a haunted house, like, I'm going to take it home, too. Until 
two strangers within two minutes tell me that I should put the fucking dog down. If that happens, at best, I'm like buying it an extra little bit of food and leaving it as I go on my way. Yeah, like, here, boy. All right, he's out the the van. (laughs) We just go leave the food here. If I have two strangers come up to me within two minutes being like, yo, that's not a good dog. All right. I would say they have a lot more to say about the subject because A, they're from that neighborhood, and B, they're from that neighborhood because they know what's going on. We've already seen the interaction Shotgun had with the dog, shot the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Fuck that. Saw some homeboys just get killed the night before. Leave that dog alone. Yep. I want to be kind uh, to the animals out there that are having it hard too, but if somebody warns me like that, I ain't taking the dog. <laughs> I, here's, here's a question really quick. I don't want to side skirt too much, but getting back maybe to the very opening sequence where Shotgun is being chased by the demon dog. How long do you think that has been going on? Right. That's never really explained. We know there's a like at least a 20-year gap between 79. Present day film came out in 2001, but you could say 99, 2000, 2001, somewhere in that range. So 20-odd years later. How hasn't it? gotten enough for bones to come back already yet well you know you could argue like were those white boys like was that the first victims to start this or were there others before why was this initiated in the first place yeah there's no way they're the first ones yeah exactly and then why did it take this approximate amount of time for shit to finally kick loose i don't know but that's just some questions that it can lead to Mm -hmm. Hmm. but that ties back into them like as well warning they're like oh yeah we got some history with this fucking dog <laughs> we don't know the exact history though just a little bit i know patrick said that after what was it after his mom died him and dad moved back to the south and now he's coming back yeah and so he hasn't been back too long look if you met jimmy bones as a kid there was a song about him oh he's a local legend and you were in that area for a bit you ain't gonna forget that completely about him i don't think so not that close not when he's that big of a figure that you met that there was a fucking song about that all the school kids knew (laughs) yeah like even your homeboy knows the song even if it's fragmented he still knows about it and you would at least remember as much as... And he probably, he didn't even have any physical connection like that we know of, a tie-in like Patrick did. Right. His dad was the direct tie-in. We see snippets where it looked like Jimmy was giving him some money, little man. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't care that he moved away. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's too much of something. That's definitely impressionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I did fucking laugh for like two minutes straight, though, when, was it Maurice said that I'm the tossed salad? Dude, there was some innuendo in this film. There was another one I do want to mention. When Patrick was down in that basement, whatever, turning on the furnace, and he hears it rumbling, and he says, please don't bust. I can't afford that right now. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wow. Maybe I'm really, really reaching here. No, that's really funny. Oh, shit. Like, but maybe, just maybe, maybe that's just some funny ass writing that's a little bit ahead of its time. That's really good. But that um, was one that did stick out to me. I remember that one specifically. Well, once everything's all warmed up and they get sort of settled into the house, then you get like the first bit that's 
a little bit mind blowing with the fucking it wasn't a nightmare like dude wasn't <laughs> he was just sort of vibing to music yeah he but, was he was just like you know he was spinning records and fading in and out and shit <laughs> but shit was getting nightmarish around him I was actually I, I thought that was pretty decent that was decent and so this is the part because at that point had they found Jimmy yet had they fucked with his corpse yet because that's the only way you can explain Jimmy fucking with these kids not yet you know what I mean yeah I don't think not yet uh, the reason I say that the reason I say that is because uh, in between some of this stuff the kids go back home and they're interacting with their dad and the dad wants to watch the news and that's where they see the report of the white boys who got killed and he's like he's like see that's why you don't go down there messing around in places you don't belong and whatnot and right after that that's when Lupovich happens to visit Jeremiah right mm-hmm. because he's like well somebody had to have sold the building if people are moving into the building and he says a line I actually like the line he says Four can keep a secret if three are dead. I was like, that's this is actually pretty decent writing right there. And on top of that, this is where I put Cynthia visits Patrick and tells him what Pearl. So it was kind of like the next day. She goes underneath the mm-hmm. ladder and all that shit. But she tells uh, him what her mom told her one time about the other city or the other world where it's like it lives beside, on top, and below. And it's referred to as the city of the dead. You know, she talks about the fabric that separates the two worlds. She says, only if something really bad happens. She says, then the wall tears. And he's like, well, does that mean the dead come out? She's like, well, sometimes the living fall in. <laughs> I was like, okay, that actually makes sense in this film. <laughs> yeah. That actually is pretty decent writing because it does have a payoff. All right. So anyway, that's kind of what that leads into. And then that's when your boy's upstairs vibing out. And on the wall, and the hands are closing in on him and shit like that. That was pretty See, that's decent. The thing, like, I get the avenging spirit of Snoop going after the fucking white boys trying to make a drug deal. From what we've seen about him, I don't understand him going after this group at all until yeah. they go fuck with his remains. Then I can, yeah, okay, then you can and say, even okay. then, maybe not all of them. Yeah, I could see, all right, you can make a case for Maurice because he shouldn't have been fucking with the ring. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll make an argument maybe for his case. (laughs) So that's when I had Pearl's warning her daughter, Cynthia, not to hang out with the teens, you know, not to go near the house or interact with the dog, all that stuff. She starts like uh, looking through some old stuff. She finds a photo of her and Jimmy. And that's when it sparks that memory of her reading his palm. And, you know, she's like, when she said the left hand's your past, the right hand's your present and your future. And she's like, she sees the lifeline. And she's like, don't go to that meeting. All right, so you get a little bit of that, and that's when the kids go down in the basement. So Pam Greer's looked fine for a long time, and I didn't think about it for a long time while doing this rewatch. (laughs) Did you look up the age difference between them? 22 years? 22 years. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you can tell. But yeah, I mean, she keeps herself up well. You can't Mm -hmm. deny that. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, I I think they still did a pretty decent job of not you know, making it too unrealistic, even though there is an age gap, you know? It's still... No, I was sitting there most of the time, like... And then I had to think about it. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Snoop would have been watching her movies while he was a fucking kid. Oh, yeah, dude. Come on. (laughs) But, like I said, it's they still did a pretty good job of making it seem realistic. Mm -hmm. Because there's never a time where I felt like, that doesn't feel natural. That doesn't feel right. (laughs) She's old enough to be his mom. Yeah, baby. Yeah, that took me a second. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I did not realize she's 71 now. I don't know, man. We're getting old. 
<laughs> All right. So when they do go down in the cellar, immediately the dog starts to dig it up. And this is where Maurice, he quotes the line because he starts to remember the lyrics, you know, the one that you already refrained. And then this is where Cynthia, she's starting to sense, like she can see, it looks like maybe the spirits and what have you. So she's got some of what her mama got, you know. And uh, they start to like all leave except for Maurice. He stays behind and takes the diamond ring. He's like, oh, that was a big no-no. Dumbass. Yeah. All right, here's one thing I would say. Here's one thing I would say about that. Because you can't take any of that stuff with you when you die, why are you still holding on to it like that? I mean, I know that's part of your reputation. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But all you could have done, like, hey, homie, give me my ring back. We'll call it Even Stevens. Is Snoop, like, cool with you if you don't take anything, but you still take out the switchblade so that it's not in him anymore? And I know. Like, oh, here you go. Look, this this doesn't have to still be stuck in you. You know, technically, they did help him get out of that situation in the basement. <laughs> You know, so technically, you know, they help spur on some revenge shit. Yeah, man, I just, I don't see it. Yeah, with I don't, who, like, I don't think they're deserving. To be, I don't understand him fucking with them beforehand. Yeah, well, you know, we also don't know what happened in the spirit realm with him either, you know, because they don't, they don't really give you a whole bunch mm-hmm. there, you know. Who knows what happened to him? He could have changed down there in hell or wherever the hell he was at. Yeah, I know, but... I know what you're saying, though, I mean... For the film's sake, it's just, yeah, his character doesn't mesh. There's probably people out there, uh, like, screaming at me, like, why are you thinking about this movie so hard? <laughs> this is what we do. We hi, We watch these films. We enjoy doing this. It's fun. There's reasons why people do what they do. We're just trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> I can't remember how soon we are to it, but I did like seeing the flashback and being like, fucking, you asshole, Snoop doesn't want any rock. Oh, dude, that was fucked up, wasn't it? Right? Yeah, that was really fucked up. She has the seance, Pearl mm-hmm. does. And I actually thought that was pretty decent. The seance in combination with, like, you know, Cynthia. So, like, right after she and Patrick kind of hooking up, she's like, I never got to know my dad. I never, you know, my mom never talked about him. And then Pearl's having her seance. She's like, you know, are you visiting this person, that person? Knock once if you're visiting, twice if you're not. Kiss keeps knocking for her, you know? And then she has, like, the editing. and the. I thought that was that actually was pretty really fucking cool. decent. Yeah, that actually, had they kept any kind of semblance of that maybe throughout the film, it would have been really fucking solid. Well, and as it launches, like... That was when the... On the uh, Cynthia side, that's yeah. when you get the ghost molestation, right? Uh, yeah, in combination. Because <laughs> it goes from the Pearl, you know, she's going through her motions or whatever, and... She's starting to see those visions. She sees Cynthia in the the bed and the blood and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I thought, okay, if they're trying to do this symbolically with the blood, you know, uh, significance in this film, not only to family, but because that's what's keeping him, like you were saying, in the material world, the physical realm, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's actually well done, well executed, makes sense in this film, mm-hmm. you know. But it doesn't also <laughs> change the, the outcome, but... I thought that was good, that whole sequence, but it is where she gets molested, is what it amounts to. And that begs the question. We know it's not Patrick. Right. Was it her dad manifesting, or was it a spirit coming out of the city of the dead world? Right. What was that that was molesting her exactly? Right, because it could have just been, she's already sensitive to that stuff. Right, right. And then she's linked as family to her mom. And then her mom is opening a seance. Right. 
And so she's weakening the, the barrier, barrier between yeah. the two. Makes sense. So it doesn't have to be her dad. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Like, I think that would be a great argument. The movie makes it feel like <laughs> because there's it's, no other it was, option. Because right? within the house. Yeah. As far as I know, that's the extent of Jimmy's reach. Is it the shit that's closely related to him or in proximity? Has Maurice been killed by this point? Not yet, because that's at the okay. uh, that's at the party. That's at the right, actual right. official kickoff of the club. Okay, so it wouldn't be Maurice. She, oh yeah, that's when Pearl comes because she's freaking out and she tells you know she comes to get Cynthia and shit like that. She tells him she's like, "You spend one more night in this house, you might as well be living in your grave." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, something like that. That's when you get the flashback, what the whole meeting was about, and I was like, okay. Kind of like what they're doing in this second act. It's starting to actually like speed up shit and give you a little bit more context of what's going on. But yeah, you find out that Lupovich, they even called him like the crooked cop, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, shit like that. Jeremiah, who's Patrick's and Bill's and Tia's dad and all that stuff. And Eddie Mack, who we really haven't talked about, but because yeah, he's just kind of like a side hustler, side pimp, whatever. And the whole point is, at first it sounds like they're trying to replace the numbers with the lottery, because it sounds like that's kind of the big mm-hmm. thing. And then it goes to like, well, we, we want to start pushing maybe this new shit. It sells quicker, you know what I mean? It's like people still chasing that high, we can give them that high, and it'll keep coming back like fiends. And I don't know if it was alluding to crack, or crystal meth, a combination of some kind of street drug, but... Snoop Dogg's like, I ain't down with that, homie. This is my neighborhood. I'd rather keep it the status quo. I feel like with the black exploitation bent, it's got to be crack. It's like almost going into the 80s, right on the cusp of it. Like, if this movie was set out here, then that would have been a little bit of crystal. That would make more sense, but I'm thinking this is crack. Mm -hmm. You know, inner city, going into the 80s, yeah. Yeah, right on the cusp of it. But he doesn't want to do it, and that pisses off Eddie Mack and... Jimmy Bones is about to dip on out, and Jeremiah's trying to plead with him. He's like, no, no, listen to him. Try to hear him out. You know, this is a good deal. And then that's when the guns get pulled, and then that's when shots get fired. And I'm not going to say what Lupovich says, but it makes sense why everybody stabs Jimmy in that scene. Because mm-hmm. he's essentially saying, I don't want to be the only person with blood on my hands, so we're all going to be a part of this. And so, yeah. That's why everybody has to pay their dues, so to speak, their debts in this film. So, yeah, it's fucked up. But I liked it. I was like, all right, that kicks into the third scene because now you get the club scene. Somewhere in between two, I didn't have to mention, that's where uh, Jeremiah finds out that Patrick had bought the house. Oh, yeah, yeah. You see Pam Greer's character. You see Shotgun. So he recognizes. He's like, yeah, you don't need to be down here. It reminded me of of him being pinky a little bit with all the cussing and shouting Mm -hmm. and yelling and stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? But Patrick's defiant. He's going to show his dad, you're wrong, dad. I want to open the club tonight. So they do. And that's when I started having problems with the music choice. I like the music. Like, this is an Elbian. No, I was like, it's not. But, you know, I still like the song. But then again, it's like, all right, here's another problem we've had. We've run into this. It's a coincidence. Because you've already mentioned a franchise, Hellraiser, when we did Hellraiser 3 in that club sequence. There's no fucking way you can just start yelling at people and have them carrying on conversations in a club like it's normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it happens in this. And there's another thing, too, with Catherine Isabel where she's holding a microphone. I'm like, you are not singing anything <laughs> in this club. You're not. No. You're not an MC. Get out of here. Go. I mean, it's sit, cute. Sit your ass down. It's cute. Yeah. But you're not MCing. 
get out of here. So I know they were playing something different, whether they're playing music or not. There was all kinds of mess going on. <laughs> but that's well, where not yeah, Maurice gets it in this scene. While we're talking about music, if they made this movie today, Bill would be played by Drake. Oh yeah, yeah. Probably would be. <laughs> You're right. But it's Canadian. It fits. Mm. Yeah. He looks kinda like discount Drake. Oh man. There's something, man, it's cheesy, it's fucking funny, and it's a little bit racist. But the scene with Maurice, right? You know, he's DJing. The dog is coming down the stairs, and it sees the ring. Mm. And then it switches into that really fine death lady. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? She's looking all good and flirting. And he's like, all right, baby doll, I'm going to meet you. He's like, take over to DJ for a bit, Bill. I'm going upstairs, get my fill. And so when he goes upstairs, you know, does his thing. And when he gets in the room... He's saying all kinds of stupid shit. He's what is he saying? He says uh, he's just like I, I want to be your El Cacho de la Cosmos. <laughs> right? He's like I looked at the meaning of El Cacho, and I know it means different things mm-hmm. depending on how you use it. It can mean like your bit or your pieces or the horn of if you're doing anatomy <laughs> of the cosmos. So I don't know exactly what he was referring to there, but. The whole point is he gets murked by because a dog comes out and, and kills him and starts to eat him and shit like that. Oh, actually, as it's doing that, Patrick starts to look for his brother and he goes upstairs and he tells him to get decent. He knocks and that's when he sees the dog munching on his brother. And you see the right the CG. Do you, that was did you hear? Or did you remember what it said to him? Shit, no. I I'm glad I wrote this shit down. I should it It's funny. It's racist. It was goofy as shit, but. He said, uh, the gangster love don't eat no fried chicken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? Oh, shit. Yeah, that was fucked up. Anyhow, the thing that came out of that was that the dog chases Patrick, and it starts to, like, have maggots come out of his mouth. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that at first until it spit them out. And then, of course, they drop through the ceiling. But I was like, that's right out of Suspiria, dude. That's when they find the rotten meat, and the maggots that's drop right. through the floor. So. That kicks that off. It makes everybody go in a frenzy. And because now, with a combination of the two white boys and Maurice, is that it fully resurrects Jimmy now. And he comes up and he sets the fucking place ablaze. All right. Guess what? Uh, probably saved the money and would have looked better. <laughs> Only have him walk through the flames like one time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do it a couple too many times. And otherwise, just have the fire behind him. Because it looks cooler. It looked pretty good. You're damn not decent. having to use the really bad CG to oh. cut him into those flames. Yeah, that didn't look good. But the other stuff. Have him do it one time. Like, show him. Yeah, like, yeah, that's fine. Do like the, look, I'm supernatural, bitches. I'm okay with that. That's fine. That's fine. Don't do it repeatedly. Don't keep doing it. <laughs> it didn't look good. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> it was cool feeling, though. Because no, you got was. the point. You it were was. like, all right, he's a badass. Like, I gotcha. It was. And that's fine. That's fine. And he looked good. Yeah. And like I said, it, all of that was cool. Even when I wish he, he throws, uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> like even when he comes up, right? And he throws the switchblade. You already saw a snippet of that before with Cynthia, like Slowest her little switchblade throw ever. It was. It certainly was. But it makes sense for the film's purpose. While it's in air, they have time to make a scared face at it. Oh uh, yeah. Turn around, open up. That the thing door. would have been like, uh, whatever. I can't remember her name in um, I Sell the Dead. Rose. Oh right. Whatever. It would have been like that. She wouldn't have seen it coming right between the eyes. <laughs> you know, Ty's smiling at that shit. Unless he's making that throw from like 80 yards away. Uh, yeah, I know, man. 
down the block. <laughs> he ain't no 80 yards away. No, 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 no. He's pretty fucking close. Same room. Let's put it that way. But, okay, whatever. We'll give it to you. I'm not going to lie, like, the Snoop Dogg ghost, or avenging Snoop sequence is yeah. fucking funny anyway. So, yeah, like, in hindsight, yeah. it, I don't care as much. No. But once everybody gets out of the house, Pearl arrives, shotgun's there. Shotgun's like, we should have done this a long time ago. And then you see Jimmy Bones come out through the door. Pearl sees him. She's like, oh, that's my Jimmy Bones there. Right after that, that's when Pearl confesses to Cynthia that, you know, Jimmy Bones is her father. She has his eyes. And as I just then, that's when Jimmy visits Shotgun and Mercy kills him because that was his bodyguard, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever. His kind of right-hand man. Everyone uh, else he takes to hell. Right. Except for him. He's, it's more of a Mercy kill because mm-hmm. he even does like the sweet chariot and all mm-hmm. that stuff. One little note I wrote. <laughs> I thought it was funny. It's like it's so appropriate for us too. But when Pam Greer tells Bianca Lawson, her character is like, yeah, you share your dad's eyes. It's like, that's fucking funny because you're talking about Snoop Dogg here. <laughs> you talking about red eyes. You guys share red eyes. <laughs> I might be related to Snoop Dogg if that's the case. Shit, right? <laughs> but anyhow, what that does. I'm looking related to Snoop right now. Yeah, what that does, right? Next thing I got is uh, that's when Jimmy's like walking down the street because he's going towards Eddie Max and he winds up Fucking up the two homeboys. The CG blood. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but some of the shit they say to him, they call him like, you know, a fake-ass shaft and all this other mm-hmm. shit. Fucking with him. But they get it. And then I wrote Eddie Max in there with his white girlfriend. And it looks like they're about to get it on and all that shit. She's getting ready, getting her nose ready, powdered up. And he sees the blood and she's in the trash can. And then Jimmy comes out, fucks him up with the glass shards. That was kind of cool. That was decent. He's even fucking with him. He's like, you think I'm going to do it? You think I'm going to do it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cuts his head off. It was really funny. Well, is the second time I watched it, I was watching this on Tubi, right? So there was ads. Okay, yeah. So one of the ad breaks happened right when he slit his throat, which made it like 500 times more dramatic than it actually is without that cut. <laughs> the timing of the cut. Yeah, yeah that's funny. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, that was really good. And then it started back up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it doesn't play like that, does it? <laughs> That's pretty funny. There was a line that Eddie Mac says as the head. Dude, I forgot that, like, he kept the heads alive to take to hell. And when so fucking Eddie Mac popped back up and started talking and shit, I started funny. rolling. It's fucking some funny shit. And we just, like, slams him in the fucking Yeah, he's wall. like, he just gonna bang my shit up and kiss the wall like that? <laughs> And, you know, then I, and when they visit Lubavitch and they set him up with the drugs and the drop and all that stuff, that kind of looked a little, ugh. even that guy's makeup wasn't that great, I have to say. No, like, no, didn't his look makeup that great. not You good. could see the outline, too. You know, I was like, ah, they didn't do a great job, man. But anyway, the whole point of that was to set him up and make Lubavitch smoke crack because it, it seemed like he was the one that forced mm-hmm. Jimmy to smoke, you know, the crack at the beginning. He puts his hand over his mouth. That was pretty cool. Like... Basically makes him inhale it and keep it ingested. I thought the cool part was the attention to detail where he starts to gut him and you see the smoke come up first. Yeah, no, that was good. The part that wasn't good was the CG hook oh, and the yeah. hanging. I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of sad. But the thing that paid off was the blood splat in the head of Eddie Mac mm-hmm. below. He's like, oh man, what, you know, doing. I think that was one of the times the blood looked better than a lot, some of the others. I, Not I tend good, to agree. but No, it wasn't bad. good, but a lot better, right? I agree. It's kind of fucked up, but you know, okay. I honestly think it looks better. You know, most of the other blood we already said looks kind of waxy. Right, right, right. And because most of it, we're either seeing it in the air or like mm. on the ground, not on somebody. 
I think that waxy pink blood contrasted way too hard against his black skin. Mm. You know, that's a solid th- point. That's a very and I solid think so, point. I think they were like, oh, we have to change that because it kind of just looks like he got bloody jizzed on. <laughs> he got this. Oh, man, that's some ketchup and mayonnaise. And one of the other times it looks good is when it's fucking what's-her-name-in-the-bed, right? No, totally. Because if you use the other blood... Oh, it looked horrible. It looked terrible. Yeah, it would look so bad. It would suck bad. And I think that's the commonality there. Yeah. That's a good point, man. That's all the point. That's all I can think of. Because the blood does vary vastly through and this movie. From scene to scenes, yeah, it's not it's not consistent. Is no, no, I totally agree. But yeah, it makes you wonder too. Like, were they doing this on the fly? Like as it, as it went, were mm-hmm. they correcting things here and there? Because you know we know that films aren't always edited in order either. Films aren't shot in order, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, going into this, Pearl and Cynthia, they kind of figure things out. They're like, all right, we need to warn Jeremiah because it seems like. Jimmy's second revenge, of course, on everybody that was involved with his murders. That's his whole plan. And so when they go to the home of Jeremiah, they're a little too late because Jimmy's already there visiting him. When they do go there and try to warn Jeremiah, he's already taken off, and it seems like they're going back to the brownstone. Okay, now we're going to go back there. And then on the drive, Pearl's like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) She's like, blood. She's like, remember I told you there's like two things that tied... You know, people, I guess, the world, said, whatever. Right, no, that's when she's like, there's a third thing, right? Yeah. I said that's what, like mind, body, and spirit or whatever. Right, right. Spirit but, lives in the blood. Exactly. And she's like, yeah, the blood. She's like, so there must be blood in the house. We have to get, you know. That's how you make his soul at, at rest is the last thing that's tied to him. And we find out what it is, of course. But anyway, long story short, once they get back to the house, this is kind of cool, though. I like where Jimmy's like, he's putting Eddie Max and Lupovich's heads into hell. Right, that and that wall of dead. That was pretty tight. I even like some of good, uh, and it was funny. It was. It was a good combination of all of that. Good use of practical effects. Mm-hmm. Even some it's of the trip, ain't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like it's pretty funny. It's pretty wild. Yeah, even him fucking with Jeremiah J Bird. You know, putting him in, taking him out, putting him in, taking him out. Pretty damn decent. And then eventually it comes down to like, you know, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? He's like, can you give me back my life? He's like, you know, I can't do that for you. Okay, so he, he sends him to hell, essentially. But as it's happening, right, they're, when I say they, it's like Pearl and Cynthia and, and the kids. They're all downstairs and the house is starting to crumble in and all that shit. And they find the elevator and Pearl right. goes in it. And of course, you know, she goes up to the top floor and it's adorning candles and Jimmy shows up. And, you know, he's telling her he always liked her in that green dress. Happens to be the last thing that's physically tying him to the the real Mm -hmm. world. And she starts to envision herself like it was in the 1970s. Like, I guess that night of, right after the meeting and all that stuff. Because he tells her, he's like, you know, didn't I tell you I was going to be rubbing your cheeks later on tonight? (laughs) You know, baby girl. But yeah, Maurice comes out because the kids have entered the city of the dead which i thought was kind of neat because they do break the barrier at least mm-hmm. they play on that and it's like okay it feels a little fulci now a little fulci a little bit fulci i agree yeah i mean there's already some italian references here with argento maybe mm-hmm. now a little fulci city of the dead is right on the fucking nose but they do a good job they explain it but i think what it does here in my opinion it takes a turn with some of the supernatural shit they're playing with because of how the film ends and you know we're almost there but the whole point is she tells them cynthia is she's like we just have to retrace our steps like we were 
in the yeah. house. Yeah, in the house. We go upstairs. That's where they're at. What have you? And as they're doing all that, yeah, Maurice comes out and he leads Bill, or Bill follows, and Bill gets it. I'm like, that's kind of fucked up. I get Bill it. Bill getting it was fucked up, but I thought it was kind of neat because the way they juxtaposed his death, it was both the way Maurice died, mm-hmm. but it was also juxtaposed against Bones getting gut shot like six times during yeah. that meeting. That's a good point, man. And they That's sort of flashed point. back and forth between both of those being like, yeah. I'm using Maurice to do it, who got his guts ate out by a fucking dog, but, like, you're in my fucking house. Like, this is happening because of fucking bones. Uh, you and... know what's interesting? That's a good point. Most of the guys' death, not all of them, but Lubavitch's, he, he was gutted, Maurice mm-hmm. was gutted, Bill was gutted. They're playing on that motif. So there's a little consistency there. I'll give them that. Because that was one of the more violent parts of the movie. Yeah. Even though the blood looked bad, like it was still they decent. had some really good fucking squibs. Yeah, it's just a release it. fucking stomach when they were fucking shooting. Him, cause... It did look pretty damn decent. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was getting the fuck shot I mean, out of his guts. He, there's no way he survived that to have what happened. But, <laughs> but no, it, it still looked good. All right, here we go. Patrick should have a little bit more emotion than what... That's, that's your fucking brother just got fucked up by your mm-hmm. other... Your best friend or whatever, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Cynthia's even like, that's not Maurice. She's <laughs> like, oh, what? What was that? They wind up finding Pearl and Jimmy in that room. And then Cynthia kind of gets, I think enthralled might be a good word because she becomes almost like hypnotized. She's like, He's like, come join your family, baby girl. You know? And uh, Patrick's like, no, don't. Where are you going? <laughs> no. No, please stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I like him as an actor, but there's some things where I'm like, you gotta try a little bit harder than that, dude. That wasn't much of a fight. But the fucked up dude, thing, though, Snape's it, not giving him a lot to work with in this movie. He, he's really not. When he's cool, even he's the confrontation, cool as shit, but... the confrontation's kind of weird too. Like, uh, you know, it's just Patrick's just kind of like odd man out. You know, there's a family reunion going on here, and there's a lot going on between them. Yeah, I'm like. You know, I'm just trying to open up a club, Cause like, man. Cause Shit. like Pam Greer's here to stop him. She had an unwilling hand in his death. She accepts her role in his death, even though he put it upon <clears throat> himself so she didn't have to feel that way. Right. But still, I'm like, like, all right. Daughter just found out she's the daughter. <clears throat> and you're right. Like, Patrick's just like, hey, I bought the house. I didn't steal his ring. Like... Yeah, it's weird. I kind of want to fuck her, but I haven't got to yet. Yeah, and then Patrick sees his dad in the wall, which was fucked mm-hmm. up. And what happens in that sequence is once he, like, slices off his dad's arm and that wall, you know, dead people or whatever, it kind of snaps Pearl out of it because she sees herself as present-day Pearl instead of 1970s Pearl. And then it kind of drops the veil for Cynthia as well. Like, Snoop Dogg, he disappears, sneaks up behind Patrick... Patrick has like that knife, like he's gonna do anything, like die. I'm like, come on, man. Anyway, what he does is he enthralls him and starts spinning him. And I'm like, oh, goddamn, this is some goofy shit right now. <laughs> this might be the goofiest shit in the fucking film. Well, because you also get the fucking Snoop Dogg turns into a vampire from the Buffy series. Yeah, what was that? Were they trying to lean into some like Dracula shit here? I don't know what the fuck that was. But once like again, trying to that's, nothing, that's nothing Jimmy Bones that we've seen so no. far. No, and where, yeah, where does this vampire-esque character come from? What is that all about? Yeah, I mean, you said supernatural, like, we get that. But you, you weren't very specific about what kind of supernatural shit here. Mm-hmm. What's going on? <laughs> so anyway, 
Pam Greer now is like, oh, oh yeah, it's my dress. It's got the blood on it. Oh, there's a candle, a bunch of the, you know, fucking candles. And somebody made a great argument. They're like, we've already seen Pam Greer have her dress ripped off of her earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. That's why Jimmy Bones was buried with it. That's what tied him to the real world or whatever. But instead of taking it off and burning it, she's just like, I'm just going to light myself on fire. Fuck it. <laughs> like, that was a little drastic. That was a little drastic. And there we get a complete flip from Jimmy again, though. Because yeah. he was just total fucking demon Jimmy. And now he jumps on Pam, but he's not trying to put out the dress in No, no, no. He's like, we're just going to die together now. We're just going to die together. The way it was meant to be. Now we can live in eternity together. Whatever. You know, all that fairy tale shit. But <laughs> the spirit lives in the blood. Yeah. There you go. So, all right. Now, Cynthia and Patrick have to make it out. After Patrick's been spinning around like that, like a fucking idiot. And, you know, the house is crumbling and all that shit. And it looks like they've made it out. And they're clearing, like, all this rubble. And they get outside. Patrick finds the photo of Pearl and Jimmy. It's just like earlier, the photo looks at him. And he says, dog eat dog. And then you see Cynthia kind of, like, have that menacing look with a mouthful of maggots and spits it out. And that's pretty much the end. Now, the question I have here about this, right? I think you you can make the argument. I'm going to make the argument that I think that Patrick and Cynthia never left the City of the Dead. Kind of like Mm. the Fulci ending. Oh, okay. Kind of stuff. That's why it ended the way it ended. Because it wasn't the ending. They thought like, oh, okay, we, we got out of this. Everything's closed the loop. But she's still a connection. Cynthia, that is, with the bloodline and the spirit and all that stuff. And they literally just came out of the City of the Dead. So I think they might still be trapped in that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's the only thing that would make sense, why the ending ended the way it did, and it had the bleak ending. See, I was just like, uh, the blood's the key, so yeah. his spirit lives on through her. So, And I I can understand that. And there's even, in some of those flashback sequences and stuff like that, the images line up, because you do see her with that look on her face in one of those really quick cuts mm-hmm. and flashbacks. So I was like, okay. This film has a lot going on, but it does a decent job of closing loops and making sense of a revenge story. Yeah, there's some other questions here and there. Why did it take this long for all this shit to spur? Why were the kids attacked Mm -hmm. the way they were when really they didn't have much to play? They were just a byproduct of their dad's bullshit. I am curious if she's now possessed by the spirit of Snoop Dogg. Does she gradually now morph into Snoop Dogg? Does she get to be her at all? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. It makes you wonder, and I've heard people like, were there plans on this being a sequel or a franchise or... Right. I don't think there was anything definitive there, but... Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not a bad film. It has some entertaining value here and there. It has some good bits of comedy here and there. One thing I thought was really weird, really awkward to do in this film is to set up a character, Catherine Isabel, at the beginning of the film as being a part of the group. Right? Right. And then, like, slowly phasing her out of the film the further along you get <laughs> to where, at the end, she has nothing to do with it. Like, absolutely nothing to do with it. I wonder if that was part of that executive meddling. It may have been. I could very well see that. And that's where, you know, when you see films similar to this, not always, but sometimes when you have that studio interference, things get a little goofy, a little wacky. The, the classic case of, you know, too many cooks. You know what I mean? So maybe this was a product of a little bit of that, you know? A little bit. That's why it feels like there's so many different things going on in this film. 
it's fine though. No, I'm it was, glad it was, we rewatched it. I was saying it was fun to revisit. It's not necessarily one I'd watch all the time, but you know, if if you're like, hey man, you want to see a Snoop Dogg a horror film that's decent, you know, it's like we can put it on the background, get stoned, make fun of it a little bit. <laughs> it's not a bad film though. It's 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 pretty decent. Did some interesting things, some things I wasn't expecting, like taking some nods from some Italian films. Right. Yeah, that's wasn't expecting that. Do you think at any point the Snoop as oh having his background with the Roland Twenty Crips had any problem with all the marketing of this being his face just completely awash in red? Oh damn, good point. I didn't think about that, but especially because this is two thousand one, a little bit younger Snoop. That shit was still a little bit more relevant back then. Maybe not as much as like late eighties, early nineties, but it still mm-hmm. had some significance. I could see there being some problems. I yeah. See that. I don't know how much. Apparently, it doesn't seem like too much I came out of it, but right, right. maybe for the time period, there, there could have been some... I'm wondering if there was ever any... That's a good point, dude. I never thought about that. Just, yeah. It seemed weird. I'm like, wait, isn't... That's not the set he... Hmm. Here's my non-verified totally bonkers idea behind this i'm gonna say that maybe because he had two films at the box office at the we're same time to that one. <laughs> yeah more people were paying attention to training day than they were bones at the time i i mean at that point in his career it wouldn't have been a big deal because yeah he would have been out enough i think so too but i would imagine there's still probably going to be a, a small fraction whatever percentage it is they were going to have a little bit of a problem with it mm-hmm but to what extent? Who the fuck knows? Because there's always those fucking there's always assholes. there's always man. You can never rule them out. They're always gonna be there. Yeah, I don't know. I think I've said about all I need to say. Yeah. About um. Interesting thing. I want to say that maybe the first song you hear in the film might be an Eminem song. The two white boys in the car. I think that's oh. what they're listening to is an Eminem track. If I'm not mistaken. At the time, I was like, damn, that's. I wasn't expecting some Cypress Hill and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool, man. It reminded oh, yeah, me. Yeah, the Cypress Hill's great. And it, I, was I was like, just yeah. like, oh, wait, I recognize that. I was like, yeah, actually, I, I listened to a lot of this stuff, man. I liked it. It was refreshing. Oh, shit. I'm trying to remember. I was about to pull up the soundtrack, and then I realized I don't care enough right now. <laughs> um, yeah. I can't remember if Eminem and D12 both have separate tracks on this, or if that Good was point. the D12 track that it opens up on. It might be a D12. You might be right. You might be right. I didn't really look into it either, but. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to a shit ton of D12. Nice. Um, I was on some D12 the other day. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, overall, a fun film. I'm glad we revisited it. Yeah, like I said, it was fun. It was decent. Did we pick next week? No, we haven't, but I know what we're nearing. That's right. We're getting closer and closer to our 200th episode. Yeah. We're hoping to have a little bit of fun with that. But until then, we're going to go figure out what we're doing <laughs> next week. And I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Oh. Hi everybody, Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, 
or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.